HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by New York Wines, reminding you to eat and drink local this Thanksgiving. For more information, visit newyorkwines.org. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arroway. And this week, it is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so it is one of my favorite weeks of the year. That's because it's that time of year when a lot of people obsess over food, folks who would maybe normally otherwise as not. And um, everyone is planning a big meal and looking forward to eating it. And I love how Thanksgiving is that one holiday where you really don't have to do anything. There's not like any requirements like, you know, make a costume or buy gifts or, I don't know, dance around a maple or something. You don't have to do anything besides just eat. So it's a wonderful day. And I'm going to talk to my guest all about it and her new book, too. Um, so my guest, I'm really excited. It's Molly Ye. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So your new book is Molly on the Range, Recipes and Stories from an Unlikely Life on a Farm. And uh, are you on the farm right now? I'm not. I'm actually at my mom's house outside of Chicago, okay. and um, I just had a little event here, and I'm staying here until Thanksgiving. Okay, so you're going back to the range for, for the big holiday? Yeah, for, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So um, this is really exciting. Um, you've been blogging since 2009, and um, this is your first book, and it's uh, everyone keeps asking me about this book. It is such a – it is actually a really um, – prize object. I think somebody else ran off with this copy um, at our <laughs> station, and I had to get another one. <laughs> so congratulations. It's great. Um, so, okay, I have to say on a personal note that, Molly, we met like five years ago or so. Um, yeah, when we you, took dinner together. We did. I was so starstruck. It was, it was like... Um, uh, yeah, it was five years. It was right before I left Brooklyn. Yes. And... Um, yeah, and that was so much fun. It was. It, we, I think we made like 
bok choy, I remember, and steak. Did we? Oh, yeah, we were grilling. That's right. That was fun. Yeah. Um, that was so cool because, um, you know, it was really great to meet you, and you were just sort of, you know, getting into your groove of blogging. Um, you'd only just started maybe a couple years ago, I think, and you hadn't moved to North Dakota um, to live on a farm yet. So um, it was still just sort of like a, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn sort of life. And then... All of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, I guess, but, you know, five years, uh, so much has happened. Uh, You got married, you moved to a farm, and now you have this best-selling cookbook, and you have, uh, you know, denizens of followers who are (laughs) stealing um, your book from our station. So (laughs) We are going to find that person. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, though, um, what happened? How did... uh... Yeah, so, uh, well, so we cooked dinner right around the time mm-hmm. when um, I had recently graduated college and was kind of figuring out what it was I wanted to do with my life. I had a, a degree in classical percussion, mm-hmm. which went really far when I was applying for food writing jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and, From Juilliard? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, xylophone doesn't translate to writing about burgers? <laughs> Maybe there's but, some kitchen uses for banging things around a lot. What? Maybe there's some kitchen uses, back of the house uses. I don't know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, that's how that is how I got my started with playing percussion is using my mom's wooden spoons and whisks right, and things to, right. to bang on her pots and pans. Um, so that was kind of foreshadowing into the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so right around the time when um, when we met, I was just figuring out what was going on, like. I was doing freelance music, I was doing some freelance food writing, and I had this blog, which for a while was just a hobby, kind of an extension of my life diary. Yeah, a blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and my husband, well, my, my then boyfriend, um, mm-hmm. we were just sort of getting our, our way in the world, like as post-college students or post-college people in New York. And it realized, or it occurred to us that we really were homebodies, and mm-hmm. we found ourselves more and more staying in on weekends and Cooking. ordering pizza and mm-hmm. watching Netflix, but then also working on our own projects. Like I just, I got so much joy staying at home, working on the blog on my on the weekends, mm-hmm. and um, and we realized that we wanted to be closer to our families. That maybe we shouldn't be paying New York rent if if we were going to lead kind of a homey lifestyle and, and, you know, want to focus on our own things rather than going out all the time, which for the first five years in New York, we loved. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. we were out every night. But um, Nick mentioned, Nick, my husband, he, he mentioned that, you know, my family has this farm mm-hmm. in um, northern Minnesota, right on the North Dakota border. They're, like, that's one option. And so we went out to visit, and uh, I loved it. And I said, I'm moving here, whether you're with me or not. Wow. And, yeah, so it all went down within a matter of just a few months. We went to visit, and I was like, yes, we're doing this. We went back to New York, packed up all of our things, and then drove. Wow. Amazing. So you were really bitten by the country bug then. Totally. uh, In a big way. Yeah. uh, Just the idea of driving in no traffic to the grocery store and then being able to take a grocery cart through the aisles and, and not I, have to worry about carrying everything home was oh very goodness. appealing. Yeah. And now you have chickens and everything. Um, did you have any inkling, did you have any like suspicion that this might strike a chord with your many readers, um, that this story of, of moving to uh, the 
a farm in somewhere much slower paced um, would just kind of, uh, you know, really be attractive to to many people who may be fantasizing about running away from it all. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess it it didn't really occur to me Mm -hmm. until people started emailing me and um, showing interest in my story. I mean, I was definitely one of those people in Brooklyn who was fascinated by the farm life, uh-huh, who uh-huh. wanted to um, grow my own food on you know, my little fire escape and, um, and who loved pickling and, and mm-hmm, loved mm-hmm. all those things. Um, and my vision of the farm life was this sort of romantic image of waking up before the sun and walking barefoot through the fields mm-hmm. and trying an olive off of the <laughs> olive tree. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know, just just very, very romantic, like yeah. wearing a sundress through that. And and so I learned that it's our right, farm not, is, is it's, different than it's that. It's not like that? But, um, <laughs> In North Dakota, it's not like that at all? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be barefoot on a farm there. <laughs> but, no. but yeah, like it, it, it was kind of cool to see people kind of latch on to that story. And meanwhile, though, as I when I moved out there and I had no friends and I had not a whole lot of other things to do and I was able to focus on the blog and turning it into um, something that more more people than my mom would read. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind That's of cool. yeah. it kind of went hand in hand in, in helping to build um, a readership. Yeah, it's really amazing how you get to focus, you know, on one thing. And you were doing, you know, you were doing your music, you were trying to do gigs, you were trying to do food writing you know, interning at uh, magazines and so forth. You're trying to do so many things in New York. So it's a really powerful story to show that, you know, once you focus on one thing, um, you, you know, you can see where it goes from there. Um, it's it's really exciting. So congrats. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So um, this book is a delicious compilation of what do you, would you say it's a lot of hits from your um, blog's history or is it mostly new. There's so many exciting twists and uh, sort of fusions of cultures throughout it. Yeah, um, a couple of the recipes, or a, a few of the recipes are new. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, are old, are from the blog. But a, ma- a large majority wow. of the recipes are new. It's a and, lot of cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, they were just inspired by um, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago and then living in New York. And a lot of them are recipes that I started making because I missed yes. some mm-hmm. of the foods in New York. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so that's where, like, the whole pizza chapter comes from. <laughs> and then, like, the fried green tomatoes from the sadly now-closed Seldomare um, mm-hmm. inspired have... my fried green tomato recipe. So it's um, but a lot I of see... things that, like, if I didn't make them myself, I would have to. Right, I, right. I wouldn't have them. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of New York in these recipes. There's uh, scallion pancake hala, for instance. You've got, you know, hummus and uh, shakshuka and things that... You know, I imagine you wouldn't be able to find up there, or I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but no, not at not all. At all. There, okay. There's no shakshuka up there. <laughs> okay. So was that a shock? Was it sort of a culture shock with food? Um, what they ate compared to what we're used to here and all the lovely falafels that I see on these pages? <laughs> <laughs> I would say the most shocking thing was how many foods that I tried for the first time up there. Because living in New York and having access to every different kind of restaurant and every ingredient and all hours of the day, Mm -hmm. yeah, you you think that you know all the foods. (laughs) Wait, we don't? 
Yeah, but we don't. Yeah, no. Wait, tell me. There are so many new words that I heard for the first time in my first month of moving there, like um, hot dish, uh, which is what is, is a subset of the casserole. At, it um, it follows a specific equation of okay. a meat, uh-huh. a, a starch, which is commonly wild rice or tater tots, oh. and then a vegetable and a cream soup. Whoa. Uh-huh. And, it, yeah, it's... I grew up in a household where you don't have creamed soup. It's just unhealthy. It's bad. Um, but when I moved there and you spend one winter in Grand Forks, North Dakota, where it can get down to negative 30 degrees, uh-huh. you realize that it's everything you could ever want. That's cream soup. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so the hot dish is, that's a, that's like one of my new favorite foods. And there are endless possibilities and endless ways to, to make it your own and to like I do it from scratch using a bechamel sauce instead of the. Oh, so soup. you don't? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I but I will buy store bought tater tots. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you would make those tiny little pieces of toma- of whatever the potato <laughs> um, <laughs> stick together. That's that's pretty amazing. So okay, so hot dish. That's a new one. Um, they don't get a lot of fresh vegetables out there, right? So that's no. So that yeah, that was one big challenge when I moved out there was. How am I going to get my vegetables during the winter when... Canned, maybe? When you don't. Yeah, yeah. I, so I do use some frozen spinach, and um, and I make a lot of cream spinach, and that's where there's a recipe for spinach rugula in there, and that's the filling. That looks good. Mm-hmm. For that, yeah. And then, um, yeah, just, yeah, my, my freezer is stocked with vegetables, so that's where, you know, they get dumped into a hot dish, or they get dumped into a soup, mm-hmm. and... Um, and, and it's a lot of warm, hearty things like that, that you're, you know, trying to just sneak in one more <laughs> handful of greens into there so that you can survive the winter. <laughs> so what kind of greens or what kind of uh, veggies are we going to see at Thanksgiving this time of year? What do you well, think? our garden exploded with butternut squash. Oh, that's good. So, um so there, there are a few squash recipes that I have just fallen head over heels with during this past month of trying to use them all, of trying yeah. to like use mm-hmm. all of our squash. And there's this amazing um, Anna Jones's cookbook, Modern Way to Cook, mm-hmm. or Modern Way to Eat, Modern Way to Cook. She has this butternut squash and cannellini gratin that is Ooh. covered with, um, you just like tear bread, sourdough or whole wheat bread over it and then cover the whole thing in gruyere. Mm. Bake it and it gets crispy on top and it's and the bottom even though it's a gratin it's not very creamy at all it's delicious mm-hmm. and, yeah and light but and um, that's a great way to use make a savory sort of squash um dish okay so yeah all right I'm all Are about you... the savory squash and all about like savory sweet potatoes too i tried to get my mom to to let us do a savory sweet potato casserole instead of the marshmallowy one but mm-hmm. she vetoed that Oh, so that's a must-have, the marshmallow sweet candy Apparently, yams. yeah. And <laughs> and I tried to play around with making maybe like a sage-infused marshmallow or a rosemary-infused marshmallow and doing the homemade marshmallow right on top of I was going to say, I bet you did. But, well, I just, you know, sweet potato casserole does not appeal to me at all. So when it came time to start testing that recipe, I just, I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's, you didn't want to eat it. I was not, <laughs> I was not excited about it at all. So I, that, I, I realized I would just 
rather have sweet potato fries and mm-hmm. ketchup. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. Um, all right. Well, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial break, but let's talk about more of your recipes and this great book um, right after this break. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Tagstar, and this track is called Vicodin Dreams. Thanksgiving is a great time to support New York farmers, including local wineries. Find great white wines, red wines, and rosés from Long Island, the Hudson River region, the Finger Lakes, and beyond at New York City wine shops and restaurants. This Thanksgiving, New York Wines is proud to partner with Fleischer's Craft Butchery, which supports local farmers raising heritage breed turkeys in New York State. With a healthy dose of ingenuity and a collaborative winemaking culture, the number of wineries in New York has grown exponentially over the last 10 years, as has the quality of the wines they produce. New York is a world-class wine region, offering quality, variety, and value. The perfect trifecta for a bountiful Thanksgiving feast. For information on more than 400 New York wineries, please visit newyorkwines.org. All right, we're back chatting more with Molly Ye, whose new book is called Molly on the Range. Um, so thanks again for joining us. You still there, Molly? Yes, thanks for having me here. Awesome. So I love reading um, little tales of your life throughout this book. And uh, one of the ones that I thought was really interesting, um, sort of picking up from uh, what we were talking about in the beginning, about how you just moved to 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 North Dakota and were adjusting, was adjusting. Um, I love your little tale about starting a brunch club with the ladies of Grand Forks. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And um, because it's, it's, I, it was really interesting to me to read about how, um, you know, it's hard to make friends because everyone there had known each other since childhood. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, um, everybody knows everybody. And um, about 99% of the town is of Scandinavian descent. <laughs> So to kind of come in there and, you know, as like a half Asian person from New York who is like Uh asking all these personal questions to these strangers as as one sometimes does in New York. Yeah. (laughs) I was sort of like, oh, I guess this isn't how you make friends here. (laughs) So I kind of had to take a step back. Okay, so because they all knew each other's lives, like, through and through or something that they yeah, didn't ask? Yeah, okay. it's like everybody, right. everybody knew each other. Everybody, mm-hmm. like, had this groove, and then I sort of came in and, and like, was like a bull in a china shop. I had, I don't know, it was just, I, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, but I can imagine, I'm just, like, savoring the imagination of everyone's faces when you serve things like, um, I don't know, the cauliflower shawarma tacos or the... Um, what else looks amazing here? Uh, you know, the, what is the scallion slow cooker goulash scallion noodle, noodling. Yeah. And uh, what, just everything here is so um, inventive, creative, and multicultural, just like you. <laughs> and we're, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, some of the things I would, you know, like maybe call them something else and then, mm. yeah, and then like force, well, not force feed them, but like, <laughs> forcibly serve them to my new family and friends 
So instead of calling it challah, maybe calling it pull apart bread. And then what? as they're eating it and as they're falling in love with it, I'll be like, okay, like this is the traditional Jewish bread, and um, and here's how you make it. And I'm used to having this every week and seeing it at every store, but <laughs> it's not here. So you guys fall in love with it, and then I'll make it more. So. It was That's it was a lot of just like strategy, kind of, yeah, a lot of strategy. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was going both ways mm-hmm. too because there were all these Norwegian foods that they right, everyone right. be like, oh yeah, Lafsa is just a potato pancake, mm-hmm. kind of like your latka, but uh, yeah, it was like trading potato pancakes. Um, well, one thing I really enjoy is seeing all your fusions. Um, you know, as we mentioned, you're half Chinese as well as me. So we're kind of sisters yes. in that sense and um, half Jewish. And when did you start playing around and like mashing up the flavors? Like, so for instance, your Asian scotch eggs or, um, you know, you have scallion pancakes too. And uh, you have, uh, what's it called? The steam buns with uh, sh- uh, schnitzel chicken schnitzel oh, yeah. um so have you always been doing this and ha- did you grow up in a was your household you know just happenstance fusioning yeah. as well um yeah i mean i grew up in a household where like we like my mom didn't want to buy oreos because we could make those from scratch or mm-hmm. like there were all these processed foods like macaroni and cheese we would always make macaroni and cheese from scratch and my mom was always encouraging me to kind of put my little own spin on it and oh, cool. add whatever ingredients I want. And so the the Chinese and the Jewish flavors were things that I just grew up with and it just made sense. Um, and I'm just yeah, they just made sense to me and I've I've never really seen that strict line that you have to keep um, between, you know, keeping those separate. Like my mom she never bought me coloring books. It was always blank pages and I would I was like encouraged to draw my own pictures, mm-hmm. so so I I don't know like I the idea of blending these flavors and um, making these mashups was never something that was really new to me, and um, and I have some friends I, we have a mutual friend Donnie saying who um, will text me like all the time with these crazy mashup ideas and ask me if they sound good or awful. And so I have a lot of fun because he's still in New York and we have a lot of fun just going back and forth, thinking up wild, uh, wild combinations and, and figuring out which would be good or which would be bad. Like, yeah, there, there were some, some really bad ones. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, that's so much fun because I, you know, like being a hoppa, like I didn't, no, you know, it's it's always fun to see what that other people are exactly like thinking the same thing too. So, um mixing it up and um you know, do you ever find do you ever hear any pushback um in this I guess current atmosphere where um people there have been a lot of um and I've written about this a bit and we've had, you know, shows about this, but people have been um discussing a bit the politics of racial uh, you know, racialized food and cultural appropriation, and uh, the idea of mis- mixing up is not, you know, being authentic, quote unquote. Um, yeah. Have you heard any p- pushback from or comments like that about your um, food? I get because I um, work with a lot of Jewish cuisine from mm-hmm. all over the world, including the Middle East. I do get a lot of um, pushback if I call. A dish Israeli that um, that my 
or, or that does have Arab roots, Palestinian roots. Mm-hmm. So I have learned, and and that was something that um, I went into just with ignorance. And so I got those comments, and then that forced me to, to dive deeper and to learn about yeah. that, to learn about that history. Um, so, like as as scary as it, as it is to to ever get a negative comment, like those really forced me to go and examine the true roots of these foods and learn to adjust the language mm-hmm. and be very sensitive to that. Right. Um, and, and I think that's really important. So for me, it's, it's like it's a, it's a challenge that's ongoing, like figuring out, um, you know, look, like diving into these roots and figuring out who really did invent um, this salad or this bread or, or um, that dumpling or whatnot. And so, um, so in, in that sense, it's, it's like really good that like other people are sort of checking me yeah. and, and forcing me to, to not call shakshuka Israeli. Um, that was like one of the first recipes that I put on my blog and I called it Israeli and somebody came on and, and, and explained to me that it has different roots. Arab roots um, yeah. But I- yeah. I think that that's a great attitude, you know, it's like, it's all, and then we all learn from it, you know, a little bit, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just kind of being cognizant and nodding to, uh, looking into and examining and trying to allude to the culture whenever you write about food is is a great, that sounds like a great solve, um, rather than getting into a battle. (laughs) Right, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I feel like there's nothing to win by, by saying, by like calling something a different name or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and like be wanting to be stuck in your way. Like you could always learn from somebody else, like what their story is and what their um, experience is with a food. And so it's just important to keep an open mind with all of that. Yeah. Okay. So did you have any weird dishes? I have to ask about your Thanksgivings growing up. Um, did you have any crazy Chinese and Jewish inflections to your Thanksgiving dinners growing up? Well, do you remember Thanksgivinga? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that um, uh, who did that? That was well. That was a few years ago, for the first time in a really long time, and for the only time that's like not going to happen again for a really long time. Hanukkah and Thanksgiving lined up. Oh yeah. So Uh-oh. like the internet exploded with um, soufganiot filled with cranberry sauce, or like latke pumpkin pie or all these crazy thanksgiving hanukkah mashups mm-hmm. um that were so much fun because of course fried food is perfect for thanksgiving and um and i i don't know i had a lot of fun making like brussels sprout latkes based on the brussels sprouts that my family would make for thanksgiving growing up mm-hmm. um and then like pumpkin soup gagnote ended up being like really good or people were making there was this one bakery in um, on the Lower East Side, Zucker, they were making, I think, a turkey soufganiot, which mm. was so good because I love a savory donut. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that, that that was one of my favorite holidays of all time. Amazing. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a... That's a good one to remember. I guess that's not happening again this year, but you can always... No, but, but I've, I've since made Brussels sprout latkes because that was sort of one of these ideas that was born out of Thanksgiving Cub. It kind of translates well to... I think that sounds great. I might have to steal that. And do you shred up the Brussels sprouts and then kind of yep. mm-hmm. matzo meal or no? It's, it's, it's very similar to making a latke. So okay. you just shred the Brussels sprouts and then mix it with eggs. And you can 
add flour, or I've made it also with chickpea flour, uh-huh. and then um, and then fry it up and serve it with. We always do our Brussels sprouts with um, a balsamic mustardy yogurt sauce. Mm. So I just, that's goes right on top of the latke, then it kind of takes the place of a sour, sour cream. cream. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to steal that. Um, all right. So much to look forward to with Thanksgiving. I'm excited to have this book on hand too, um, throughout the holidays actually. So, um, I guess that's about all the time for us today. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, thank so but thank you so much for joining us, Molly. Thank you. And kind wonderful. Yeah, it was great to reconnect and, um, congrats on this book and, uh, to, to hopefully, um, I'm sure everyone will, Check it out. Um, Just out from Rodale, it's Molly on the Range. Recipes and stories from an unlikely life on the farm once again. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. You too. Thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Never, 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 never had no loving like this before.